Welcome to Cooler News, your go-to resource for insights and content straight from KPS Global. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cooler News, a KPS Global podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. Make sure that as you're listening along, you're subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure that you're also heading to our website, kpsglobal.com. Again, kpsglobal.com for more information on our solutions and services, as well as more pieces of content from KPS Global, including episodes of the podcast, articles, videos, and more. So on our podcast today, we're getting an industry update on the state of robotics in grocery markets. We're going to be asking ourselves the questions, how are they innovating to meet current supply needs? How are they intersecting with existing technologies, workflows, and workers? And what sort of longevity can be expected for robotic solutions in grocery delivery and fulfillment? Today for Insights, we're rejoined by Joe McMenamin, Director of E-Commerce at KPS Global. Joe, great to have you back on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, pleasure again to chat again and uh, looking forward to sourcing your insights on another uh, niche market of y'all's and, you know, really unpacking how robotics is uh, intersecting in the grocery market and then where KPS fits into the conversation as well. So let's go ahead and jump in. A major reason we're having this conversation today is because COVID has significantly increased the need for micro fulfillment centers, which have become a bit of a staple in the grocery market. Can you give us a little bit of context there? How have you seen these uh, micro fulfillment centers intersect with grocery brick and mortar? in recent years? Sure. So first is we have to look at it really from overall, how has e-commerce kind of infiltrated the, the grocery industry? So a couple, couple interesting figures that I thought were worth sharing. So in 2019, only 3.4% of grocery sales were, were online. That's still almost 36 billion, right? Well, this year it's jumped triple, actually a little bit more than triple to 10.2%, which is 106 billion dollars. So COVID right there has, you know, you're tacking on 70 plus uh, billion dollars into that marketplace. So right now the grocery industry is estimated about 1.04, 1.05 trillion dollars for, for this year. So if you projected that out for what COVID is kind of, it's been almost like a springboard for this entire segment of the business. And by example, by 2025, we expect it to be 21.5% of the total market, which equates to about $250 billion. So the key here is for $250 billion, you can't have folks walking up and down the aisles, manually picking orders for online. You need to have a system that's efficient, that's optimized to fulfill orders in a quick manner. And that's where robotics is really coming in. So what we're seeing is, is that it's still the early periods of adoption, but this is on a serious path that, you know, while grocers are looking at robotics, we're still in that early adopter phase simply because costs and people are trying to figure things out. So Joe, go ahead and also break down some of the specific ways that supply and fulfillment needs have changed recently, I guess in the wake of COVID, if we want to get really specific for grocery brick and mortar establishments. Not everybody is Walmart. And what I mean by that is, is Walmart has a lot of space on the properties where they build their their stores. And space is 
uh, it's, it's called real estate within the store is super important. So it's how do we fit that to supply customers that are ordering stuff online? And what we're seeing now is we're almost moving into this kind of 2.0 period for e-commerce grocery. And you see folks that are saying, you know what? I don't necessarily want to spend all the money today on putting in a version of a robotic systems, MFCs being one of them. And they're using plug and play units. They're using traditional style walk-ins. All of those are fine. They're the more cost-effective manner that's happening right now. And then we're seeing some other folks, the, the Walmarts of the worlds. You've got Kroger. You've got uh, Fresh Market working with Fabric now. Uh, you have Albertsons working with Takeoff. HEB with Auto Store. These these retailers that are are nationally recognized and leaders in the business, they're the ones that are taking those on. But you still have a lot of folks that are sitting back and waiting to say, okay, how do I do this? And in that meantime, they're still offering online grocery, but they're not necessarily diving into it full force right now, simply because they're leaving it to the big boys to figure out and optimize the, uh, from a cost perspective, from a real estate perspective, things of that nature. And uh, I'll, get, I'll get into the breakdown in a little bit, but that definitely uh, sticks to the question that we're talking about talking about here. So because of this increased need in supply and fulfillment solutions, we've seen an intersection with, of course, robotics. That's the whole point of the conversation today. So Joe, what sort of warehouse automation equipment and robotics specifically are supporting some of these needs and how are they uh, making their way into grocery uh, establishments? There's a few different options that, that grocers can take. So let's we'll just talk about a few here. So first is we could talk about dark stores, which essentially is a, a grocer may have a store that's in a, a solid geographic area that they can say, look, we're going to turn the lights off to outside customers and turn this into a, a mini fulfillment center for that regard, right? So those are typically 25 to 80,000 square feet, the typical sizes of their grocery stores, obviously. And that's a, a minimized cost option that they could use. You also have the micro fulfillment centers, which is really the one that's caught on and, and a big part of this particular conversation, because what it does is, and especially playing into that comment about real estate, is you may want to build into the side of the store. If you've got a little space, you may want to build up. But bottom line is, is you're putting your robotic system right there in the market that you have today, which minimizes the steps taken to fulfill online orders. It's extremely important about this because speed is is paramount when it comes to all of this. And from a cost perspective, that is a great option as well. Obviously, you're still building an addition potentially onto your site, but you're still in a decent spot there. Uh, the other the other thing, the third thing would really be a customer fulfillment center, which is an offsite distribution center. You're talking 150 to 500K square foot facility. This is going to be definitely a higher cost. People are typically running these hub and spoke models at that point. But at the same time, you're, you're, fulfilling online orders out to several stores versus having one attached to it. What we see is the MFCs are definitely kind of taking control while dark stores are definitely lingering, especially now when we get to the holidays, there's going to be a little bit more of that. But it's also important to know that within these robotics uh, options, the different uh, manufacturers have different styles, right? So what I mean by this, and this is really important, is you have folks like Takeoff, which 
their shuttle systems, right? They have these little you know, little robotic uh, shuttles that are going up and down these these grids that are fulfilling the orders. Then you have like Auto Store, for example, they use a cube system. So instead of going, you know, in a, in a long direction and you have to really add on space to your building, they're going to build up, right? You have space. It's like, it's like going to a big city, right? You build skyscrapers up in the air because it creates space. These cube platforms could be really advantageous because you can go into your existing store footprint, not necessarily have to do any remodeling within the building outside of just putting the system in. And then you have folks like Fabric who have, um, who have floor systems and they kind of fall in the same deal as um as the takeoff platforms and alert platforms but it really comes down to how is your existing store design and what really fits but personally i think these cube platforms are really really interesting because going up just it it opens up all sorts of opportunities to um to bring uh, an automated facility into your site today at a quicker pace as grocery stores are integrating these solutions, are they having to intersect those robotics with existing connected devices or uh, IT infrastructure, management systems, etc.? And if so, uh, how is this shaping the technologies or creating any challenges or opportunities? It's a fantastic question because here's the thing is that whether we're talking robotics or frankly, the internet when it comes to grocery, it's not something that, um, let's just say the industry has not been early adopters when it comes to those things. So the these integrations from a software perspective, maybe from energy monitoring, all these things are, are very, very new to the, uh, to the industry. So in, in that case too, I would say, for example, there's a company called uh, Kuhachi and Peterson, and they just launched a site called Future Shop. And what Kuhachi has done is they've brought in a group of folks that all specialize in different aspects, right? So Kuhachi is is the designer at that point, but they have companies within their group that focuses on the IT, on the integration aspects, simply because grocers don't necessarily have people in their buildings that have a ton of experience with this. So let's find ways to synthesize this, make this easier for, for grocers to adopt, and we'll bring all these parties together and make this work. So it's definitely a, an issue, Daniel. It's just a matter of putting the right pieces together and explaining it, having grocers comprehend it properly, and, and have them be able to make educated decisions on how they want to move forward with, uh, with their e-commerce grocery needs. This is something that uh, piques my interest often about these uh, technology conversations, Joe, but I feel like it's important to, uh, as we talk about fresh, innovative uh, technologies, how they're impacting the existing workforce. So how are these robotics in MFCs impacting grocery workers? Is it supporting their workflows? Is it seen as a technology that's posing a threat? Is there no correlation? Go ahead and unpack that for us. Yeah, sure. It, it, it probably depends a little bit on, on who you speak with, obviously. Sure. But um, even before robotics, again, if we take it from an overall e-commerce grocery perspective, you know, everybody knows who Instacart is pretty much these days. And Instacart is, is enabling a workforce that frankly, in the COVID era may may not have a job right now, right? So they're able to, to do something and support a market that that needs that support. And what I mean by that is because of all the things we've already touched on about adding space, adding refrigeration, all these different things that are associated with handling e-commerce grocery at the at the store level, these are creating jobs. However, not everybody is using Instacart and there's reasons why and we don't have to get into those today. But as far as at the sites and how it's infected grocery workers, 
There are grocers that are utilizing their existing staff today to go and pick stuff, uh, pick orders, stage orders, and put them there to, to bring them out to your car or to drop them off for delivery, whatever have you. Um, for the most part, I would say this does not take away jobs. If anything, it's kind of like any everybody looks at technology as taking jobs and, and pulling things back. But the reality is, is they're complementary when it comes to humans. Right. So you may have a, a, an MFC in the back of your store next year, and that MFC still requires somebody to load product into it. Still, when that product comes out to pick it up, bag it, get it ready to go. There's going to be steps that, in, that involve human behavior. And furthermore, this stuff actually helps the shoppers in the store, because a lot of times, I don't know if you've actually even seen this, but you could be at your grocery store walking through the aisles and you see an employee walking down shopping just like you because they're picking for those online orders. And a lot of times if things get busy, they can actually interfere with your shopping experience. And there's plenty of these stories out here today. So in a lot of ways, all these robotics are going to make everything better from the shopper perspective, from the grocery perspective, from the employee perspective. It's just a matter of, of taking a step back and, and thinking it through. And it's just a threat and, it, and it's a threat because it's different, but it shouldn't be a threat in regards to, uh, to taking away jobs. So some of the reasons why robotics have seen a major boost in the last six to eight months have been because of COVID. But a lot of these effects of COVID are now settling in as uh, sort of long term consequences or repercussions that the whole industry is going to have to adapt to long term. So as the effects of COVID settle in, how do you think that micro fulfillment centers will be utilized in the long run? To answer the, the, the question straight up, I think that they will be the commonplace situation when it comes to grocers in the future. I think robotics has a definite place in grocery and we are just in the very, very early stages of this. COVID again has just put it on a trajectory that is much greater than what it is. But I mean, just think about those numbers in the beginning, $250 billion, and we're talking four years away. That's, that's a lot of money that's being filtered through this side. So COVID has definitely helped that side, but the MFCs in particular, by going into an existing site, an existing footprint and able to maneuver within that or around that for that matter, that's going to be the way to go. And I, w I actually went and looked up, you know, because you think about this with technology and, and cycles, whether that be, you know, like an Apple or something like that, you know, your computers, your phones. We're still in that innovator early adopter stage in the innovation adoption life cycle style. And that's the the Walmarts and the Albertsons and the folks that we talked about earlier. Once we get to that next step and you start seeing regional players start to adopt this and bring this in, I really think you're going to start seeing a, a, a massive change in the business. The other side of this is we're also seeing now grocers lay out their stores with e-commerce grocery in mind. What I mean by that is Depending upon the grocer, they may have their click and collect, right? You place your order, you drive up to the to the uh, store when you're ready to pick your groceries up. A lot of times they're coming through the front door. Some grocers do it through side doors, things of that nature. But let's use the example of having it right in the front of the store and they have designated parking spots. Now a grocer will design dedicated space in the front of their store and have equipment to have once those orders are staged to sit there, that when that customer pulls up, they're out to their car and, and maybe up and back and loaded within a matter of two to three minutes. 
So store design now is starting to evolve to bring in e-commerce groceries. So this is, you're seeing all these different aspects converge. So it's it's really a hybridization model, right? You're taking this digital world, marrying it with the brick and mortar world, putting those two together and saying, all right, this is the store of the future. So it's going to be absolutely what's what we're going to see down the road. It's just, it, it just takes time. And I, I think that I don't really have much of it. I don't know if you do, but it's it's you got to be a little bit patient, right? And and that's where we are right now. Everybody got excited at the beginning of the year uh, with regards to what this was doing to the grocery business because we needed a swift kick in the butt to kind of get into technology and, and innovate as a as an entire industry. At the same time, we have to be honest with ourselves and say this is going to take some time to adopt. And then maybe more generally, what sort of longevity do you expect out of robotic solutions in grocery delivery and fulfillment? Do you see them outside of the micro fulfillment center having a place in grocery brick and mortar? Do you think it's going to fluctuate a bit? What are your future focus thoughts? Obviously, this is an open ended question, you know, sure. If for a reason and it's in a fun way, it's really I don't know, because at the end of the day, you know it's going to evolve. You, you. I think we even talked about this perhaps last year, where somebody's—it's almost like a virtual shopping experience where they're going through and picking up their stuff in the aisles, and then they may go to the store, and the store may be one giant vending machine at that point, right? There's there's companies now that are growing produce and stuff within you know warehouse facilities. You may be able to come in and and that's how your produce is being grown right at the site, and these robotic systems—they're all built and in all part of it, and that's how your shopping experience goes. I think that, I guess what I'm trying to say is the robotics right now are just part of the e-commerce grocery experience, but it could absolutely be a part of your overall grocery experience, whether you're visiting the store and you haven't placed an order, whether you're pulling up to the store, whatever that channel is that you take to, to get there, robotics will get more predominant. And I think maybe that's where, yeah, it could take away from humans if you want to go back to that that comment, actually. But the reality is, is that this is the way of the world and, and groceries, one aspect of it. But I do see something where MFCs can evolve to become a greater portion of the overall grocery experience outside of somebody placing an order through their, through their phone or through their computer. All right, Joe, we're just about done. Last main thing that I want to ask you here is just better understanding how KPS Global fits into the conversation we're having today. So in what aspects of robotic solutions or micro fulfillment centers or just uh, grocery brick and mortar solutions is KPS Global involved and to what capacity? Sure. So you know, one thing for us that has been longstanding is, is that we know cold storage that's that's what we live as a company as KPS Global and whether that is the plug and play or traditional walk-ins that are being utilized by the folks that are kind of waiting for the technology on the on the robotics to catch up as well as all these robotics companies the ones that we're talking about alert takeoff fabric auto store all of these folks require cold storage with all of those pieces of equipment and what i mean by this is is that whether you're at the top of the chain when it comes to the robotic side all the way down to the basic rudimentary items kps global is involved in all those aspects and if you combine that with the experience of our team of our engineers of our installation crew we become a tremendous asset for that frankly i couldn't talk to this as well as i am because of the fact 
that our company has this tremendous lens that we look through for this entire segment. So if you want to, if you have questions, you want to reach out, you can absolutely reach out to us directly, uh, whether you're through one of the robotics companies or speaking with one of them today, even on these smaller scale items, because what we've also noticed is that there is not one traditional channel that's, that's, being taken in with regards to bringing these projects to light. They're coming through GCs in certain formats. They're coming through the grocer in certain formats. Or for example, um, the robotics companies are reaching out directly to us on a project that they may be working on that, you know, until you sign an NDA or whatever have you, we learn who those grocers are. So I do encourage anybody that has questions because we're still in that kind of sponge phase in terms of what's what works and what works for my particular store to reach out to us and, and, and have a conversation. That's really what it's about is we all want to advance the industry. Let's do it get together. And, and the more knowledge and understanding we have collectively, the better off we're going to be. Joe McMenamin, thank you so much again for joining us on the podcast. Joe is the director of e-commerce at KPS Global. And Joe, if folks want to find out more about some of the work that KPS Global is doing here or just tap into some more thought leadership on this subject, how can they learn more? Visit kpsglobal.com and uh, you'll see right there on the on the main landing page that uh, you've got a section for online grocery. Go ahead and check that out. And uh, that would be the first thing I'd start out. And then the other one for the for the record is the future shop site that I mentioned, which is futureshop.c dash p.com and that talks about the uh the grocery store tomorrow and and very much along the lines of the uh the hybridization of of marrying digital with uh traditional brick and mortar both of those sites obviously can get you going in the right direction joe thanks again for joining us always great getting to chat and looking forward to our next conversation awesome thanks daniel much appreciated and thank you everyone for listening to another episode of cooler news a kps global podcast if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or going to our website, kpsglobal.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.